Well, we got ourselves a little pleasure of a podcast tonight, my man. Yeah, we're coming to you live. Well, it's not live, but we're coming to you. No, we're coming to you while alive. (laughs) (laughs) We are both alive and kicking. We're across the pond. Yeah, we are across the pond. We had the pleasure of going to the 2019 Open Championship in Northern Ireland at Royal Port Rush, man. And was it something? Holy cow. I mean, I've been to golf tournaments in person, and they've been cool, but a major does feel different. It feels bigger. Yeah, this was both of our first majors to attend, or our first major to attend, and uh, yeah, it was something special. You know, the uh, you could feel the excitement from the locals, the you know, the Northern Irish folk, and just how special it was for the tournament to be back you know, at Royal Port Rush and just how happy they were to have, you know, that caliber of a tournament there. I mean, it's been over a half a century. I mean, it's been a long time. And I mean, most people in their lifetimes haven't, haven't seen a major in Northern Ireland or Ireland at all, I think. So yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. Definitely. And, you know, it, it couldn't have been, you know, I mean, it, it was great to see an Irish person win, win, win the Open. Uh, I think you know you and I were both you know cheering for other people to win, but uh, I'm not upset with the outcome by any means. I mean, I yeah, like you said, it wasn't the person that we wanted to win. Like clearly, like you were pulling for Rick, which is very obvious. But also, I I'm a huge Fleetwood fan, so the fact that he well, had th- a shot, it was was. With Rick for. and Fleetwood aside, just that I think you know the crowd as a whole was pouring pulling for Rory, but he just you know kind of just collapsed the first day and made a you know did the best he could on Friday to push. Yeah, should we and, should we start with Rory? Sure, because I mean he was kind of the preliminary figure of this event, and how I think in general when people thought about going back to Port Rush or going to Port Rush. Uh, they were thinking about the significance of Rory and his potential to be kind of the guy that does it for Northern Ireland. Um, yeah, really, really tough scene on Thursday. Uh, he did not play well, not at all, but a lot of people would have given up. A lot of people wouldn't have tried to really make any effort on Friday. And to say that a guy who started so far behind and was so far from possibly making the cut to only miss it by a single shot is really wild and it shows a lot of hard lo- shows a lot of determination and just listening to his post run interview you could tell that it meant so much to him that it was there and that he wanted to be there on the weekend so badly yeah i mean i think he didn't really even know how much it meant to him until it was over and he didn't make the cut and stuff like that you know it all it, like it seemed like he was holding back tears in his post post uh press con- or post round interview and uh i mean it it was a bummer to see i mean uh i think i think the majority of the golf world would have been really stoked to see rory win it there but uh i think for you know the irish people and uh the golf fans out there that shane lowry was a a, a pretty good alternative yeah he was a great little consolation winner there for people that were out there rooting for gmac and rory yeah so yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean, that was the most emotional I've ever seen Rory before. Um, yeah. And clearly this meant a lot to him. So I hope this isn't his only chance to win Northern Ireland. I love Port Rush. It might be my favorite open venue ever, right up there with uh, 
with St. Andrews. Uh, I really enjoy this golf course. I think it's, it's freaking awesome. Like it's, it's really, I think it's got a little bit of everything that you want. And I really don't think we could have asked for better, better weather conditions. It wasn't shaded the entire time, but the weather showed its teeth when it needed to. The course was on full display for a few days, and I I think it was I think it was awesome. I loved this course. I love Links Golf. Yeah, it was it was it was a really really cool course. You know, walking it and getting to see all the holes in person, and I I just kept thinking that I like I wanted to play the course the whole time. Like I was just yeah. like, I, I, when can I play this? Because I really want to get out there and try to you know do my best out there. But uh. It was cool. I got. I finally got to follow Rick in person for the first time, so that was dope. Um, yeah, uh, it. You know, there's something about Lynx golf and true Lynx golf. Uh, you know, being Oceanside and it. It's just something special, and to be able to experience the Open Championship, you know, at a venue like Portrush was r- really cool. Yeah, it's like experience. the moment. The moment you get onto the premises like you can feel it from the other side of the course like you can feel the ocean like yeah. you, could, you just know it's lingering nearby mm-hmm. and i don't know if it's something that we just subconsciously pick up off of in the air but it has a different feel to it and i think that mixed with the fact that everyone was so exuberant about just the uh the event in general that it felt like a very special place and the fact that it had been so long since they had been there and I think a lot of people were treating that weekend and that week as if like we may never get this again because it's not for certain yet. I think a lot of people would love to see it back there. I think because they sold out all these tickets, it's doing so well that it probably will return there. Um, but I, I I think it was honestly one of the best possible majors to go visit. I think this this worked out fantastically and I hope they return. I think it'll do great and I hope to keep seeing this golf course played competitively by the guy, by the pros because it was so fun to watch. Yeah, it really was. And it was fun, you know, watching the golf, you know, from a pub on Saturday and on Sunday, just with locals. and Yeah, just being amongst the, you know, northern Irish people and watching them, you know, react to shots and, you know, cheering, kind of bickering back and forth between, you know, who you're rooting for and who they're rooting for, you know. Well, and it's kind of cool because you can kind of like not to get political, but like you can feel the tension between the two sides, between like UK and kind of like native Irish folk that like are pulling for Lowry and the guys that are like pulling for Fleetwood or pulling for, you know, Lee. Or, you can feel the guys that like are kind of more pulling for these guys that are from the yeah, UK, yeah, the guys yeah. that are from Ireland. So you, you could kind of feel that dynamic in the in the pubs and stuff like that, which was cool. And, and for mean, me, especially saturday afternoon whenever ricky was making a move like i kind of got to like feel like i was in the mix a little bit when he was like making a run even even on sunday he started double but then he went boat he went triple or birdie 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 birdie. yeah three three birdies after that i mean there were some people in there cheering for rick too like yeah rick wasn't an unpopular guy in these pubs no he wasn't i was just uh you know obviously i would have liked to see him win the tournament but it, it was cool that he was in the mix you know yeah i mean I thought this was his most likely major to win this year. Mm-hmm. I think it, his game was suited for it. And apart from a couple blow up holes, which were unfortunate, like I think it showed that this was, that was the right call. Like this was the one that he had the best chance of winning. Yeah. But speaking of Ricky not winning. Yeah. I, uh, I owe you some money. I owe you $50 for the, uh, major bet we made that Ricky would win a major this year. Um, and he, uh, didn't make it happen, unfortunately, but, 
You know, there's always next year. There <laughs> is. And maybe we'll take a bet for next year. I want to see the Rota for, I think we've got um, Royal St. George's next year for this. I don't know enough about that course to make a prediction of how I think Ricky suited for it. Uh, and next year's Masters will be played at, I think, Augusta, Augusta <laughs> National. Yeah, I think that's the one. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I'm... Uh, We'll I'm, save that for another podcast. Yeah, but I think I think it's bound to happen. But I'm not gonna take I'm not gonna not take a bet for a guy who only has you know three or four tournaments to win in a year for a bet like that, especially when you have a guy like Brooks who could stand in his way. Who once again, if we can just yeah, talk about Brooks, of Brooks, I mean the guy's worst finish in a major this year was T fourth. Like yeah. that's freaking insane. And maybe if he wasn't playing with fucking JB Holmes on Sunday. Oh, who, we'll get to Holmes. <laughs> he's got a whole segment coming his way. They like to call him the Smith the snail man. Yeah, I mean he he is not quick and that is not an unpopular thing to talk about right now. No, yeah, it seems like he's kind of getting fired upon by everyone right now. Rightfully so though. Yeah. I mean it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think Brooks could have been a little more in the mix. if, uh, And I'm not trying to blame his performance on J.B. Holmes, but I do feel like... like I blame J.B. Holmes' performance on Brooks, though. Yeah, you could. God, you could that. just tell he was flexing on him the entire time. He was like, yo, man, I do not like the way that you're doing your thing right now. Yeah, going too I, slow. I don't know. Uh, I saw, you know, that's something from social media. I don't know if it's true or not, but it said that Brooks... Uh, was walking off the twelfth green and looked at a marshal and pointed at his fate like invisible watch, like saying on his like, wrist, yeah, yeah, like what's the deal, like how are we on not, the clock or yeah, something. how are we not addressing this right now? Yeah, I mean, and I was expecting to be more fiery post the tournament, like in his interview, to kind of like kind of flame JB Holmes about being slow, but the way he boiled it down was just like, hey, like he does a similar thing that everyone does on tour, which is basically. He doesn't start his routine or get ready or do anything until it's his turn. So he's not getting yardages figured out. He's not putting his glove on. He's not really making any decisions until it's his turn to start going, which just isn't practical in the sense of time. And when you just don't care about your playing partners or the people behind you or the people in front of you, it's kind of insane like that you're a professional golfer at that point. Like you have zero etiquette. Like that was never like baked into your brain. Yeah, I'm not sure what what the deal is. All I know is I was not stoked to see him at the top of the leaderboard the majority of the week, and when he crumbled but on he Sunday, he gloriously <laughs> ejected. Like yeah. he ejected outside of Earth's gravitational pull. He ejected so hard. Yeah, he he shot. What, what he shot it? an 12? 87, which is the highest round in an open championship since like 1966. I think on a good day for me, when I'm striping the ball, I might be able to break that score at Point Rush. Dude, there's a chance. I think if you gave me the tournament week, like if you gave me a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday rounds there, one of those would be below 87. And like, I'm not good at golf. Yeah. It, it was a poor performance, but a, he, I think he, you know, he got what he. But not, I'm not gonna I had, say he got what he deserved, but I'm glad that he didn't fucking win the tournament. I don't like actively rooting against people, like just ph- philosophically. But he makes it really easy to yeah. do that. Um, but I mean, okay, we can make a couple like exceptions for him 
the weather was gnarly Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, he was playing with a man who probably hates his guts, <laughs> yeah, which has got a, a was got a factor into it. Or there wasn't a lot of good scores on Sunday. And no, it, the, no. The good scores came in the morning when yeah. the weather was better. Yeah, like the person who only like the only people that went really low were like Molinari, Molinari who yeah. was in the morning. There was a chance that JT was gonna go low, but he had the big number on one hole. Because he was firing for a little bit. The boy Fina played well. I think he shot even par. Even or one or something like that. Yeah, and he was, you know, in in the uh, the bad weather. You yeah. Know? So that was an impressive round to see. I, um, all, I, I mean, I had a feeling he was going to play good there. The boy Robert McIntyre. Uh, I don't know why I said the boy because I really don't He's know local. who he is. Yeah. Uh, sort of. He shot three under. Terrell Hatton shot two under. Um, good week for the Euros. Not surprising, but good week for the Euros. Yeah. Um, and then the mole obviously shot five under. But we need to address the 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 main Euro and not the one that won the tournament. Lowry's sick and the I'm, fleet. Uh, but the fleet. Let's let's talk about Fleetwood. Um, I think it was a rough Sunday. It was. He w- he gave us little tastes of possibly making a run, but it, they only lasted for a hole or two. And I... He was just all over the place with his tee shots. Yeah. Like, he was in the fescue more than I would have liked to see J.B. Holmes in. <laughs> you know? I mean, like... If, if Fleetwood could have hit his driver like Lee Westwood, that he would have won this thing by, like, six strokes. But oh, absolutely. But I mean that's another year when you talk about it's Lee Westwood was freaking impressive this week. I, I thought he unfortunately wasn't gonna get another chance at majors considering he still hasn't won one and he definitely deserves one. But he he made it really interesting. He was a great guy to be able to root for and being able to really pull for someone who's also European in that atmosphere is cool. Like being able to root for those guys. But I was definitely in the uh, Tommy Fleetwood contingent in the pub rooting for him because I, I love that guy. I, I love his game. I really like seeing him do well. I think he's underachieved for his talent level. I think it's just a matter of time. But there might be something like Rick has that there might be something mental that kind of gets to him and he can't quite close things out. But then he shoots like a 63 at a U.S. Open on a Sunday. So I just can't figure out Fleetwood. I just yeah, don't know. Yeah, it's just the super – like that 63 was like you're coming from way back, you know, like There's so no, you just let it rip. You yeah. Know? It's not like you're having to sit on a lead or sitting near the lead and having I, to close. I know, but I kind of feel like when you're four shots back of the leader into Sunday at, at the Open this you year – You have nothing like, to lose. You got nothing to lose still. Like you yeah. should just be going out there trying to rip it, but – I don't know. I mean, I mean, I think he was going out there trying to rip it, and that's why he was all over the fucking place off the tee box. That's true. I mean, that's that's definitely the case. Because I mean, Lowry was taking irons off of so many tees when Fleetwood was pulling driver or three wood, just trying to get some sort of advantage. Yeah, and I, you know that might be why. Like it, it, it might, it might, you know. Like Rick, for instance, he pulls driver on number one, and he hadn't done that all week. And, and I understand he's trying to go win a tournament, and he's like, se- what, what was he, seven shots back or six shots back? Lowry finished at 15. Yeah, he was eight shots back. Yeah, I mean, he had to be aggressive. Yeah, but uh, just 
you know I get it and he felt he succumbed to the same thing a lot of people felt succumbed to and it's been a hot topic recently like why is OB so close on one like why is it right there at the spectator line like why is it not like the grandstand like why is this thing OB well or he could have just fucking hit iron like he done the rest of the days and like you know you know the holes that you should and shouldn't yeah you know, like you have you've had the yeah i i get that like if you would have hit driver and it been in the center of the fairway and he had like you would have been like yeah bdr <laughs> yeah but i just uh i don't know stick to a game plan like i i, I understand going for it on sundays but it also can come and bite you in the ass yeah, but I think Ricky is just as impatient as the rest of us. He's like, I can't believe I haven't won a major yet. I've got to make a move. This is the closest I've been this year. I've got to make something happen. This is absolutely insane. Yeah. And but, then, I mean, he follows it with the three birdies, and then he get, and then he starts, you know, falling apart again. And what did he have? He had, a, he had the three birdies, and then he had the – three triples on earth three triples sorry uh no you're talking about my round (laughs) (laughs) three bogeys and two pars to start the back and then a birdie and uh i think he had a double in there but nothing great nothing great i mean it was he was kind of like a tease you know like ricky would go on these flurry of birdies throughout the week oh he had a double on 10 sorry yeah but I mean, so he started each of the nines out with a double. Did we just lose video? We'll pause and then pick back up audio here in a second. Yeah, we'll sorry, gang. One second. Sorry about that, people. We're back. Uh, yeah, the, we had a little uh, video malfunction. We may just be doing audio for this podcast. And when I say we may just be doing audio, we're most likely doing just audio for this podcast. Hey, you know, it's complication of the game when you're abroad. We're yeah, in a hotel room. We don't have much power available. We're just scrambling here. Yeah, the camera doesn't like to record for a long time without it being plugged in, even though it has battery. So I don't I don't I don't really know. Either way, we can get back into it. Um I was saying earlier though that uh Fleetwood, if he was as accurate off the tee as Lee Westwood, we should probably talk about Westwood for a second. I mean, the guy is getting up there in age. He's been a president of the tour for a long time. He's had probably more close finishes to win majors than anyone else in the world that hasn't won one. Y- you kind of thought for the last several years that he's done. He's got no chance again, and he was legitimately in the mix. Yeah, I definitely was not expecting Lee to be in the mix this week. But I don't the, know. I don't know why. You know, it's just not a name that comes to mind. Except, no, I guess no. it's just his age, and but you know, it makes sense. You know, Lynx course. This is why I want to see more Lynx golf, though, yeah. on the PGA Tour. The the in the sense that like there's guys that clearly are talented at it that have had an upbringing growing up playing golf, and there's a pedigree that they have that they're gonna have success here versus a lot of players that are just so used to U.S. Parkland golf because. I don't think it's a coincidence that Lee Westwood's best performance in a major in a long time came at a very tough test Lynx golf course. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think it makes sense. Um, I mean, he was 92% accuracy off the tee boxes, I think is what I saw. Um, Yeah, 92.86% driving accuracy. And I 
this may just be like biased to what the broadcast shows and what I've been able to see, but he was hitting some impressive scrambling shots, some great chips. He may have, I think he chipped in a couple times over the week. And I think he just has a great kind of comfort level and natural ability around these sorts of conditions. And I mean, it, he T fourth with, uh, with Kepka. I mean, yeah, that's a very, very solid. And I get that Lowry just blew the field out, but if you just look at the people that surround him, like he's in some pretty elite company, like, Fleetwood and Kepker and Finau are no joke. I mean, those guys are in the top 15 in the world. I mean, Kepko is dominantly number one in the world by like full two points of OWGR points. So that's that's no joke. So to see Lee come in and play so well versus those top guys, uh, you gotta you gotta kind of. There was a part of me that was really pulling for him, even though I like Fleetwood so much because Fleetwood will have be- plenty of shots, but. I'm not really sure if Lee's got How any more left in him. Patrick Reed sneaking in top ten. I mean, yeah, with the, the minus four. Yeah, I mean, we didn't get to see too much of him. Yeah, I think I maybe saw like three shots from him all week. But yeah, but I've got to say, like, I thoroughly enjoyed watching the Open over here, not just in person, but in pubs and on Sky Sports. Because I think we could probably talk about Sky for a second. Yes, they have a European bias and they kind of focus on a, European, a lot of European guys. But I think for the first two days that I was here, I didn't see a single fucking commercial. <laughs> yeah, they did. Uh, they did a good job on uh, keeping it as com- commercial free as possible, which was cool. But uh, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the European bias. Like, I understand that they're catering to their audience, and we're American, so it's not like the same. Like. I'm sure. I, I think it was more they just weren't showing enough Rick for you. Uh, yeah, especially when it was on what was it Friday on that back nine. Yeah, when Ricky started rolling off, I think four birdies, and we didn't get to see a single one of them. I was uh, I was a little upset for sure because they were showing plenty of Kepka and Spieth and and a bunch of Euros that were like way over par and stuff like that. Yeah, like, but most of those were like. G Mac and guys that are from here, and then because well, for being Molinari honest, too, like who Mol- was the past Open winner though? Sure, but I mean, if we're being honest, like the Europeans that they were showing were the guys that were in contention. Because if we look at the leaderboard, the majority of people in the top fifteen are Euros. I mean, they were showing a lot of Danny Willett because he was playing pretty well. He was making a charge back. They were showing Lee Westwood who was playing well. Like the guys that were playing well, a lot of them were European. And but I will say, there's clearly a European bias. But I love that there was barely any any commercials, and if there were commercials, it's because there was literally no golf to show. There's only a few groups out. I mean, do you think that NBC, CBS, and them have a an American bias, or do you think they do a good job on showing the people that are in contention and playing well? I think I, I I I think there's probably. It's probably a little bit of a bias only because like if they're digging back in the field, they're not digging back for like a random European. They're going to be digging back for a name that they recognize better. Not a guy I that think plays that the European d- tour. If they're digging back, it's more for a, a, a good random shot. That's what they do. But that's also the thing too, is that golf channel, NBC, CBS, they're not digging back in general. Instead of digging back, they're showing commercials. Yeah. I mean, that's true, but yeah, I mean, Sky did a good job on on the commercials. I will 100%. And, you know, they, they do a good job on, you know, 
some of the extra extra shit the, the, they put yeah, in there. yeah like the the ar stuff was okay reality. that was okay yeah i mean it was okay i would have rather seen them take a deeper look at the course versus a player's swing i'd agree but i get that they're trying something mm-hmm. like nbc is like oh that 15 to 30 second slot every 10 minutes yeah we'll just stuff commercials in there like we won't we won't make anything actually like informational or like outside the actual realm of golf play so i respect that they're trying stuff and they're doing something different they were out there just like talking to fans too which was different i was like wait they're just talking to random people at this event that's wild that's that's they could do anything so it's a that was refreshing too so it was just cool seeing more golf than i normally would have with less commercials and i felt like they had better pace between uh between shots they had uh no ridiculous american commentators so i didn't have to listen to gary mccord once while i was here (laughs) i mean a lot of the time we couldn't really hear what was going on too yeah but even when we were watching at the at the uh the hotel airbnb it was like you you didn't really hear the commentators unless they needed to talk, which I think is great. Their primary state is to be quiet and let the golf and the people that are on the course speak for themselves. Yeah, I, w- I would think so. I I, uh, I honestly didn't pay too much attention to that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, I I definitely – it was it was an experience, and I'm stoked that uh, we got to come over here and – you know experience just ireland in general and the open it was it was really really it was really special for sure yeah it was cool i mean i've actively talked about how the open is my favorite major on this and to to make sure that i I was able to see one in person and it be here at such what i i don't even know if i have a bias just because i was able to see the course in person and that's why i like it more but it's just an incredible venue It, it brought such great golf out of people i think it was penal and still interesting and the weather showed its teeth in all the right ways and it still brought the best golf out of people and i don't think i heard a single person talk about how they didn't enjoy the setup or the conditions of the course i think everyone respected what it brought to the table and that's a lot more than you can say about a lot of venues that we take majors to so um i've been so stoked on the experience and I think this is a huge win, obviously, for Ireland, but I think it's also a great win for the island in general for more more venues being taken into consideration. I hope they take one to La Hinch. I hope they take one to... They probably won't take one to Royal County down. There's so many blind shots, and it'll be tough for spectators, but there's so many great courses on this island, and I, I hope they keep coming back over here. Yeah, I think that would be cool. I ho- Hopefully, it doesn't take the same you know the same amount of time to get back to port rush i hope it you know happens within the next you know you know five to seven years yeah something like that that would be real cool yeah i mean i think it makes sense too because they had such a great uh feedback and response from the local community i mean they sold out tickets like i mean that's crazy so and they hadn't done that in a long time apparently yeah because it's hard man like the the majority of the people that are there are people that make the travel from local areas that come in from small towns the logistics were pretty good they were able to get people funneling in from all sorts of places and i i I thought it was a fantastic energy i thought the crowds were extremely uh you know pretty considerate and bright i wasn't hearing any stupid mashed potatoes or baba buoys or any of that bullshit Come that I late hear. sunday though you did hear people rooting against, rooting against fleetwood, fleetwood for yeah. sure 
And I mean, I understand it. You I, had drunk but, Irish people. It's yeah. going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Fleetwood hitting a bad shot, you had cheers going for sure. Yeah. Which I wasn't super happy about, but I also was hearing people snicker in the bar, be like, oh, whenever he fucks up. But I was doing the same thing for Lowry in certain ways, which um, has their moments of, you know, possibly getting people to send you cross eyes in the bar. But it was awesome. Um I hope to see more fantastic majors like this. Um, I think it would be interesting to go through this podcast without addressing the elephant or tiger in the room. Um, uh, I didn't even think about him. I mean, this was a, uh, for a lot of people that are huge tiger fans, this is a very unsettling week for them. Yeah. I can see how that would be the, th- that would be something. It wasn't just about bad play. Cause he didn't really play terrible on Friday. It was just a matter of the way that he went about talking about it. And how yeah, he, uh, he, you know, obviously he had a horrible Thursday and uh, I mean, it, it started off with probably the worst, you know, he hits his tee shot on one and you just see a huge grimace from his face and almost like, I don't know if it was pain from his back or something. It had, you know, feelings that you kind of felt reminiscent of like 2015 and 2016 and 17 and just watching him kind of deteriorate a little bit. And mm. it obviously seems like it may, it, it's obviously physical. And I think that piled on to with the lack of playing he's had, like you would expect him to come into this feeling refreshed and ready to go and ready to play. And that's not what you saw from him. And you that's see. what you talked about the last podcast is like, yeah. why is he not playing so much? If, cause if it's physical, it makes sense. Like he just doesn't have it in him, but yeah. it, it doesn't make sense. He's not getting any reps. Uh, well, and he's not saying that the problem is there, you know, he's not saying what's, what's going on. And well, he was saying that he, like his comments were unsettling because he said, I'm tired. Yeah. And it's just one of those Why things. Why like, are you tired? Like, well, you haven't played golf at all. Like, I get that you're traveling overseas, but so, you know, so did we. Like, I, I, I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure that the traveling thing is enough of an excuse. Well, for it's me. not. He's completely used to this. Like, he's yeah. been doing this for over 20 years. I think the thing more than anything else is that. It'd be one thing if he was tired right after the Masters. Like, he had just won this, and he just done, he had just done this or that, and he was tired. And, yeah, he didn't play great at Beth Page. But the fact of the matter is that he played pretty fucking well at Memorial, and that was in the middle of the season, and he wasn't tired then. So I think something may have switched, and I think there might be some a new variable going on, whether it's physical or if it's, you know, more granularly localized to his back being an issue again. I, I don't know what it is. I don't want to completely speculate on this, but he's bounced back from stuff in the past, and I hope he does it going forward. But this is one of the things that creates pause. It's like, wow, I maybe this was just a flash of greatness and it's going away. I hope it's not. I believe that he's able to bounce back from anything, but it's not what you want to see from the Open, which I would consider to be uh, right up there with the Masters is the most likely place that he'll win if he wins again or yeah. if he wins at all. I think the Masters and the Open are his best chances at getting majors uh, from you know here on out. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I I kind of had my snout out and was smelling this you know before this week in general, just you know from our last podcast when I was bringing up like why isn't he doing anything like why isn't he going over early and playing you know the irish or the scottish or something like that yeah and uh i mean there he made comments that he was vacationing in thailand or some 
country like that beforehand and he's just tired and wants to go home blah 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 it's like what you know uh, are do you like do you not care you know about like you're you've taken all these weeks off like to uh, supposedly prepare and be ready for these majors but then you are going and doing other things that contradict that yeah, and you I mean, I, I, we've talked about this. Like, I don't really have a problem with him doing those things. I don't think his legacy in golf should get in the way of him living his life with his kids and his family and stuff like that. And if he feels like he needs to be doing this stuff, he shouldn't be eating and living and breathing well, golf there's all also, the time. Well, there's also doing that right before the major that you're supposed to be taking golf off to be ready to go play that tournament. You know, like, you can take a vacation the right, but I mean, you took off before that. Right, I get, I get that. But I also mean the sense that, like, not... I mean, he was still here a few days early, too, and practicing and doing everything that everybody else was doing. It's not like he was he showed up Thursday knowing he wasn't going to have a chance and just, like, puttered around. Like, he played practice rounds with Rick and whoever else. So it was. it's not like he wasn't trying. It was just a matter of the fact that I think he had an inkling that, like, this wasn't going to be a great week for him, and there's no point in prolonging that. Because think, think if he played the Scottish or the Irish and he was as bad as he was now knowing that, God, that'd be even that'd be another entire week of him having to deal with media and the blitzkrieg of fucking attention and bullshit. Like, I mean, you're right, but I also think he already had that feeling. That's just my gut. That's I what I'm th- saying. If he had that feeling, he would try to avoid because he can't skip yeah, a major. So, so yeah, so I think this is I think this has been something that's going on for not just this week. Is I, what I'm saying. Yeah, I think the, the, that he's the signs had some point issues. to that. The yes. signs point to that right now. But and the it idea might have that, been happening since you know after the after the Masters because it's kind of been pretty. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things because he too. played a pretty normal schedule up until he won at the Masters, and after that, it was just, you know, pre- he's pretty, pretty much only the majors except for the Memorial. Yeah, and and, and, and I think. He says kind of in an off comment that like he he's, he's just going to refocus and get ready for the playoffs. But I think in my head, the way I think about it is that I think he's going to be taking a very slow, methodical approach to coming back again. He's going to take this offseason se- seriously. I think he's going to abstain from being a playing captain for the pre- President's Cup. He's just going to be a captain. And I think this is possibly, if not maybe one or two events that we see again from him for the rest of the year. I It... I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play at all for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me that if he didn't. Um, I think that would be a huge red flag if that was the case. I think there would probably... If would, he did that, he would come out with something like, oh, I have to go and I have to get something else done. Like, there is an issue with the back again, or there might be... My team and I are trying to work on a couple couple things that are hindering myself physically and i don't feel comfortable playing right now they may not come out and say like i need another back surgery or i need like this or that i mean but- if that's the case the guy needs to just have back surgery to where he's comfortable living life. living and maybe not worry about golf anymore because it, it you know but we uh, but not we but i and other people have been saying that for years it's like he should just make his quality of life good again for his kids sake yeah but then he came back and won the masters yeah. And the tour championship. So like this is I was hesitant and I was always dismissive of his comeback before and he's proven me wrong now in the sense that like if he came back after another surgery and won again when he's 49, I wouldn't be like, "Oh, fuck, Tiger, how did you pull that off?" I'd be like, "No, he's shown us that we can never count him out." So who knows? I, I it, 
I'm just saying we should pay a very close attention to him going forward. We already do that a lot. Everyone already does that a lot, but I mean that in a more skeptical sense than before and not so much a hopeful, optimistic, like, I know he's going to win the next three majors in a row. He's going to grand slam, but more like, I hope he shows the right signs of coming back, if at all, Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I I mean, I agree with you. Uh, I think that's pretty much what the golf world's going to be doing, too, so... Yeah, I, I, if I'm being completely honest, though, I feel like he's kind of flown under the radar a little bit in the, the only way that Tiger can. Like, there really hasn't been as much intense buzz around Tiger all the time as there usually is. Well, and, I think it's because that there was such that huge high from him, you know, winning the Masters, and then he's kind of not that he's he's been avoiding. He he hasn't he hasn't been active enough. You yeah. Know? And then when he has, it's after that, it's been kind of but that's, lackluster. Maybe that's by design, you know? Like, if he's not feeling 100%, that's the goal. Is like, I don't want them talking about me as much as, you know, I'd like. So let me try to reduce the amount of, you know, exposure for a little bit and get this sorted out because he clearly knows something that we don't and he's got something going on that we don't know about. And it could be completely insignificant, but it's just enough to kind of throw off his game. Or it could be something as catastrophic as, like, the fusion is no longer enough and... He's dealing with some stuff again. So this is the opposite of what he wants. He doesn't want people podcasting and talking about this probably, but um, you know, we're, I'm personally worried about him. I hope he's fine and I hope he's not in a catastrophic s- spot where he's not gonna be able to come back from it. Cause I really enjoy golf while he's a part of it. Um, and I think it's going to be, you know, hollow when he's gone for a little bit until, you know, he really comes out and we, we, yeah. And I mean, me coming from not being the biggest tiger fan, uh, I do think he's good for the game and I do think it's good whenever he is playing in tournaments. And I honestly think that he should just make sure that he is healthy. And if it comes to him not being able to play the game of golf, like that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Like, I mean, he came back and showed people that he, you know, he, he he made his comeback and he he won another major got to number 15 and i know everyone wants him to go and beat jack's record but it may not be cape like it, uh, i'm you know i'm not going to i'm not going to go out and bet anyone that he's not going to do it but i'm also saying that like he doesn't have to do it like, no, he's yeah. always going to go down in you know the history books for doing what he's done in, for the sport but um i don't think he should go and jeopardize his well-being to try to go win another major. Yeah. And I think anyone who's a reasonable human being and has any sort of empathy would be like, Hey man, like your legacy isn't worth you making yourself completely immobile for your family and everything going forward. Or he maybe just had an off week who the fuck knows, but it didn't, it definitely didn't seem it. Yeah. It takes a lot more. It takes a lot more to kind of, there's t- it takes a lot more mental gymnastics to figure out like he just had an off week than like oh something's going on like because yeah. I was more skeptical before when you were bringing it up and after this week and his comments I'm definitely leaning more toward the side of like oh gosh like I'm I'm more worried than I was before mm-hmm. so I, I can't continue to be oblivious to the fact that he's showing signs that there's more going on underneath the hood than we had anticipated mm-hmm. well is there anything else you want to just throw in there about the tournament or um you know this has been our first kind of uh kind of unexpected major winner in a long time it seems like for a long time we've been having uh these guys with great pedigree and great potential and we've known have been studs for a long time winning majors um 
you know, we've had the Brookses, the Spees, the JTs, the I think I think Francesco was kind of like this, Molinari. Yeah, and you could won. say the same thing about Woodland, but Yeah. It, it was one of those things that like you can be like, oh, I mean, I saw that coming. Like, Frank, Frankie's been a great player for a long time. He figured out his putting, and now he won a major. Yeah. Like, that kind of made sense, connecting the dots. Um, Gary Woodland. Willett at the Masters was fucking unexpected, obviously, but that was but I would Jordan I, yeah, it's a hard. Yeah, it's a hard time saying that, like, he took it. Like, Lowry took this. Yeah. Like, Willett didn't take the Masters. He yeah, was no, given I the Masters. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Woodland kind of took the U.S. Open, like he won it by two or three strokes. Mm-hmm. So, it's a it's a matter of uh, how the people kind of claim their victory, and I think Lowry's f- win feels a little different. It, do, I know I'm American. I know I have an American bias. I don't watch enough European Tour. I haven't seen enough of Lowry, and he, for all I've seen online and I've seen from other players, he seems like a upstanding guy. He seems like the right guy to win for this country and for this championship. It's the best one for him to get his first major for. He talks about when he was a kid, when he was winning it, he was always thinking about putting it in for uh, for the Open Championship. So it's a great person to get the win. And and I'm not trying to disparage it by saying I never would have saw it coming, but it is a different kind of win than being like, I hope Brooks three-peats of the U.S. Open. Like You're just getting a different reaction out of it. So... It's a cool twist. It's cool to see these guys come from the, from out of nowhere and win it because it keeps things interesting going forward and you can't keep being like, well, the only smart bet is a guy that's in the top 20 in the world because, you know, up until now, Lowry wasn't in the top 20 and he's just now getting the 17th. So it's, yeah, I uh, mean, if you would have bet on the favorite Rory like I did, you would have lost big. So <laughs> Yeah, it depends on how big you bet. But, yeah, yeah I mean, that's... He'll have plenty of shots going forward, and mm-hmm. I I like where the I like where the game's at. I really like where the Open's at. I think it's got a great identity. I enjoy it as a major. I think Royal Port Rush is a fantastic course to bring to the portfolio. I hope they continue to return there, especially now that I have the context of being there in person and how the holes are laid out. I mean, that's half the reason why I enjoy match play so much. Is so uh, I hope they keep going back there. It's been a fantastic time. I appreciate all the hospitality from everyone from northern ireland and ireland so yeah yeah Still it was time. awesome uh great experience it was a great week for you know ireland and the irish people and they one of their own won it i don't think there could have been a much better result so uh you know everyone you know have a good one and we'll see you on the next podcast we'll see you when we're back on the other side of the pond peace